Hey friends, thanks so much for tuning into the Inner Revolution podcast. Are you ready to be changed? Well, let's go. Okay. Welcome, welcome. So the class is innerrevolution.us. This is where I'm posting all the classes. Is it recorded today? Yes, Eric <laughs> saved us. I mean, Jesus saved us. Eric helped us. So he caught the last class. He caught all of it. Wow. All right. So speak well of him, okay? So innerrevolution.us. So today we're going to talk about um, identity and, uh, and also failure. So the, so my position is not my identity and dealing with discouragement and failure. So, so let's pray. So this is hopefully be an encouraging class. Amen. How are you this morning? A beautiful, sunny, wet day for a duck, right? <laughs> Quick question. Uh, yes. Pastor Ronaldo tell you if he received our um, paper? We never you know what? I don't. Maybe see Eric. I have no idea. I apologize. I'm just. I have no details on that. Yeah. Yeah. I think the last class, uh, last assignment was May 1st, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Any papers that you have to put in, I'm simply to write the date that you're turning them into me on the paper and I can receive Emails all the time. Got it. The sooner, the better. But we, but we put them in by email, too. Right? Yeah, email. Yes. That's probably yes. the, the safest way. Me, I will date them okay. just so he knows when they return them. All right, precious Father, bless our class today. Thank you for our students. We give you the praise today. We thank you that Ron Brooks is in glory today, absent from the body, present with you looking you face to face looking at your face your your beautiful face comfort and die today we think of norma's family father we think of um, the ostrowski family just many that many heroes going home to to be with you lord and uh, thank you lord thank you for the reality of heaven the testimony that heaven is real we're motivated that hell is real and uh, therefore, we speak uh, boldly your mysteries today. And, and may these be your words today in Christ's name. Amen and amen. Okay. Hey, I have, um, I'm kind of excited about this class uh, because there's a lot to this class in my mind. So uh, are you ready? Do you, do you have your coffee? Do you have your, kumba- what is it, kumbacha or well, what do you call that? Kimchi? No, not, oh, no. kimchi. That's always a good idea. No, no, no. Uh, that, that special drink, yeah, that fermented drink. Kumbacha? Or? Yeah, kombucha. There it is. Thanks. All right. You've never had kombucha until you were in the Ukraine. Anyway, that's another story. Only small portions of it. Okay. Um, so we're talking about identity. So... <clears throat> A lot of times what can happen in ministry is this happens. I am what I do. Okay? I am what I do. So this is 
definitely a recipe for failure <clears throat> because are we what we do? Good morning, guys. No, we're not. Who are we first? We are first what? Welcome. Come on in. Come on in, guys. Good morning. What God say we are? I am what I am by the grace of God. Good. 1 Corinthians 15, 10. So we're talking today about identity. Identity. I think this is an important class for, for all of us because what happens if, if what I do fails? Or what happens if what I do succeeds? Right? My identity becomes based on my performance. And I've met many Christians, and we've all been in this place where we can be burned out based on meeting our own standards or the expectations of others, right? And I hope I can communicate this because by the grace of God, we will save you years of tremendous frustration in ministry. Tremendous frustration, okay? So, I am what I do. No. We are first sons and daughters of God, amen? And we are a product of grace, or a product of grace. And I can't communicate that to you in word only, the Lord has to give you revelation on this. Because what we do, especially as men, and in the West, we have a very productive kind of mindset. But in the kingdom of God, it's not about production, isn't it? It's not. It's about his presence, right? It's cultivating his presence. It's being a believer that is, that is going deeper with God, Amen. So this whole production mindset, what happens if I fail or what happens if I succeed? If, I fa if we fail, what happens? Oh, this doesn't work. God isn't real. The Bible's not true. Or I did something wrong. Or there was some sort of like uh, idea that is me-centered, right? Will God use failure to get a hold of someone's life? Will God do that? Yes. He certainly will, yeah. <clears throat> I was with somebody yesterday that said something very interesting to me that I'll never forget. They said struggle, and this is a, this is a statement I want you to get today, struggle is not failure. Struggle is not failure. And the context of that statement is, if you're struggling, it doesn't mean you're a failure. It means you're working through Amen. your, your uh, faith, right? And we know that, uh, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, right? So struggle is part of our life. Anybody struggling this morning? <laughs> struggle getting to class today? Get up. Hey, all of us, right? Let's say we succeed, right? And we say, oh, my performance or my awesomeness, right? My plan. Devil's like, you're the man. And like, so pride can creep in, right? And all of a sudden, 
there's a lot that goes with that where all of a sudden it's like we are uh, boasting in ourselves, right? You ever notice, you ever notice this Satan attacks or always analyzes your performance? You ever notice that? You're not praying enough. You're not doing enough. Uh, you are not enough. You, you could be a better Christian. I can't believe that you're still falling in these areas that, you know, you've been a Christian for X amount of years. Don't you think you'd be? Like the devil focuses on performance. So if you analyze ourselves, if I analyze myself and say I'm a good Christian based on what I do, then guess what? I am a target. I'm a target. Right? And the devil just going to go wham. Because we can never be enough. We can never do enough. We can never be enough. And that's why Jesus is our all in all. Amen? And we're a success even before we start. We, we have won even before we've taken a step. We have overcome even before we said a word. <clears throat> right? If God be for us, who can be against us? Well, myself can be against myself. The devil can be against myself. My, my dear brother can be against us, right? God is never against us. Isn't that good? So we're talking today about identity. 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 Even Jesus said this to Philip, who, and, and his disciples, who do men say that I am? Who does men say that I am? Oh, some say you're Elijah, some say you're a prophet from, from old, you're Moses. And then, and then Jesus said, who do you say that I am? Peter, who do you say that I am? And that's a very good question that we all have to answer. Ray, who do you say that he is? Right? Luke and Norby, Hannah, right? And what did Peter say? What did Peter say? You're the rock. Oh, you're the Christ. You are the Christ, which is very important. You are the Christ. You are the anointed one. So I'm going to share another interesting statement that will help us today. We do to be accepted, or we are accepted, sorry my writing here, and then we do. Maybe this is a, a familiar teaching to you, but I think in our mind we unconsciously are earning, 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 doing, doing, doing. Like, I have many people, they live in guilt because they're not doing enough. And don't misunderstand me. I'm, uh, I always say this because I always hear this. Like, in our ministry, we have an awesome emphasis on evangelism. And so we should. But I'm amazed at how many Christians, when they can't fulfill a schedule, they condemn themselves or they're guilty, and somehow they say, uh, they, they, they're hard on themselves. And that's not God. That's not God. Please don't be hard on yourself. That's not God. That's the devil telling us that our performance is our identity. 
Let me tell you, if you did nothing, God would still love you the same intensity that he does when he died on the cross for you. Isn't that good? So today we are motivated by what? What are we motivated by? Duty? By need? By someone's expectation? By my own internal drive? I mean, God help us. That's a lot of us. I'm a goal-oriented person. I love to see results. But I know if I live in task orientation, I'm going to crumble. So we're motivated by what? What are we motivated by? Love. Let's say it out loud. Love. Love. We're motivated by love. 1 John 4. I'm getting way ahead of myself. I'm already out of the gate here. 4, 17, and 18. We know it, but do we believe it? Let's read it. I'm already ahead of myself, but it's okay. We have to check ourselves all the time. Because don't we say, oh, I don't pray enough. What is, what is that statement? I mean, okay, all of us could say that, right? My identity is deficit. I'm not enough. I'm not doing enough. I am not enough. So the devil says, yes, that's right. You're such a bad person. Let me tell you how bad you are. It's like, I don't want to arm the devil. I don't want to give him a target to to like mess with my mind. So instead of saying, oh, I wish I could pray more, do more, read more, be more, be more in Baltimore, right? What do we do? We're going to, we say, we're going to start now. We're going to start now. Let's start now. Let's, let's open the Bible now. Let's, let's talk to God now. Let's just take a step of faith now. Amen? Okay. Look at this, and I was reading this last night. I love this verse, 1 John chapter 4. So our, our identity. Who, do, who, who are you? Who are you? Your license tells you, who, what your name is, your address, your height, weight. Maybe some, you know, we can manipulate those numbers. <laughs> your eye color and the policeman's pulling you over and saying, your license and registration. Um, the devil loves to steal our identity, and, and I'm going to talk about that today. All right, First John chapter 4, very big verse. Uh, okay, look at verse 9. The love of God is manifest in 4.9 towards us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we may live, what? Through me, through my performance, through meeting people's expectations, through checking all the boxes. No, 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 no. Through him. It's you and him. It's you and him. I remember asking Pastor Stephen one time, I said, how do you minister all the time to thousands of people? Like it blew my mind. It still blows my mind. And he said this, and I'll never forget. He says, my first relationship is to God and the overflow goes to people. So, what does that mean? God is loving me. I'm learning about the Lord. I am in a place of, of uh, re- receptivity and hunger. And, and the overflow, this is ministry. What we learn about God, the revelation of God, the, 
the, the, the conversion that we go through. If it's, if it's me and people, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? Everything discouragement. Discouragement, right? People are not doing what I want them to do. People are not responding the way I want them to respond. Don't they realize how amazing I am, right? Some weird <laughs> warped thought like that. Um, it becomes soulish. Soulish. I live out of my own soul. Yeah. And of course I get discouraged, right? Psalm 13.2. Sorry, this is so low. And 42.5. My soul, why are you depressed? <laughs> right? Why are you so depressed? Because now it's about me instead of God, right? It's about, it's about my performance. Now, let me balance this straight out of the gate here. I love to see God move, and I love to see things happen. I'm not going to say I'm a pacifist because I'm definitely not that. But the results of a ministry is not based on what I see. It is based on the quality of the presence of God. So this, this is... This is important. This is important. Let's say you have five people that you're ministering to. Are you a success? Like I remember one time a man asked me, you know, and I, he was part of a big church. And, and uh, you know, he said, how many people do you have in your church? And I, and I, always, I always cringe when that's the first question coming out of a leader's mouth. Like, how many people do you have in your church? How many baptisms did you have? How many... Souls got saved. And, and I get it. We want to quantify our results. But I just, I, in my spirit, is like, Lord, how am I going to answer this guy? Because I don't want to go come under the microscope. So I said this. I said, I have one person coming to my church. I have one person. And he looked at me and says, man, you got to get busy. You're, what are you doing? How long have you been in this country? Are you, like, watching TV? And he misunderstood me. I, I, you know, we had we had 150 people in our church at that time, with a thriving English school, thriving Bible school, 60 students, uh, missions in like four different cities. I mean, Ukraine was exploding, right? But I said we have one person, and that's Christ. We have Christ in our church. So as I began to tell him that, I could just watch his face go, huh? You know, because his identity is in what he could count. And I just want to encourage us. We can avoid a lot of discouragement if we keep our eyes on Christ and not just our performance. Now, the presence of God, the quality of the anointing, the quality of your message, the quality of your investment, the quality of your discipleship is amazing. And I was just talking with a brother this morning. Your discipleship will never leave that person. Isn't that good? I talked to a guy... Uh, last week that was uh, had a hard time and he came into my office and we were just talking and he said, you know, he says, I came to this church 20 years ago when I was part of the gym ministry, uh, our gym with Pastor Jim Pierce. He goes, I remember what Pastor Jim said to me. He said, then I got into the police department I, and I got into my life and things fell apart and so on and so forth. But he says, I still remember what Pastor Jim said to me. And here he is, full circle, and he's back in the church needing God. Isn't that amazing? Amen. Your investment is unquantifiable. Your investment is immeasurable. You cannot know how effective you really are. 
So that can be good and that can be bad. I mean, look at Adoniram Judson, right, in Burma. How many, how many uh, converts did he have? Very, yeah. They say none. What did he do? What did, what did Adoniram Judson do? Anybody know? They translate Bible. Yeah. In Burmese. They say that they can track over 3 million converts, or it's actually more than that, due to that translation of the Bible. So this guy looks like a hopeless cause. Decades of ministry. Big zero. I don't know if I could have I don't I don't know if I could have really lasted that because I like to see something happen. You know, God, are you are you there? Are you doing anything? God says it's not about that, it's about me and you. It's about me and you. Okay, Lord. <laughs> Adnam Judson, three, I don't know, three, it's more than three million, but his translation of the Bible yielded tremendous, and that's the next word, fruit. F-R-U-I-T, John 15, 16. So anyway, I want to just kind of say this. If I do to be accepted, if you love me, you do this, or if you do one, two, three, then I'll do four, five, six. This is like ingrained in us. And, and you will always be chasing the, 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 the carrot, the bait and switch. You're amazing already. You're incredible already because of the work of God. Okay, let me show you another verse here. Later on in that chapter, it says this. It says, uh, verse 16, or I'm sorry, 14, and we have seen and testify the Father has sent the Son as the Savior of the world, and whosoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he is in God. And here's the, here's the bomb. You ready? You ready for the bomb? You still with me? Yes. You're such good students. Ready? And we have known, we have known a lot of things. We've known, you know, how much do you know today? Remember a guy telling me, like, I told him, hey, I said, Jesus loves you. He goes, I know that. Yikes. You maybe know 1% of it, maybe. I know 1% of it or 0.0002% or whatever. But there's a difference. To know and to, what's the next word? Believe. To know and believe the love that God has for us. This is the journey that you and I will be discovering until the day we look at Jesus face to face. Be careful of the knowledge. We're in a Google Christian. We're in such a knowledge-filled world. But my question is this. What are you learning? I don't care what you know. I mean, sorry to be like that. I don't care what you know. A lot of people know a lot of, lot of things, and they, they, they don't do anything. What you learn is what you do, right? You can quote Bible verses all day to me, and I, I appreciate that. But I want to see Christ demonstrate in your life. Like, I, I love that. Isn't that good? Just to challenge us a little bit. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, right? Yeah. And God help us. We are just broken, <laughs> 
messes. And God says, I'm going to show you as a trophy of my grace. So do I do to be accepted? Or am I accepted? Ephesians 1, 6 and 7. And therefore I do. Big difference, isn't it? One is deficit motivation. I'm trying to be good. I'm trying to be spiritual. I'm trying to be Superman, Superwoman. Or I'm just trying to make it. I'm surviving, maintaining. God's like, relax, just chillax, right? Just let me love you. And then what happens? My ministry becomes God-centered, and then people are like, who are you? Who is this person? They're happy all the time, or they're, they're getting up. Maybe, you know, there's failure, Proverbs 24, 16, uh, but they get up. They get up. I'm not saying, okay, this is going to sound a little bit on the edge here. I'm not telling you to stop sinning because <clears throat> that's impossible. I had a guy one time tell me, he says, he says, I'm trying not to sin. I said, how's that going for you? He said, I'm sinning even worse. <clears throat> I said, of course you are because your focus is not sinning. Right? I said, let our focus be on the Lord, and the Lord will take over that appetite for sin. And it'll be amazing how sin will decrease in your life. Right? It's our identity. It's our identity. Who are you? Well, I am Christ. I mean, I'm not Jesus Christ, but I'm, you are Christ. You are everything Christ says that you are, and nothing that the devil says that you are. I say that all the time. Everything that Christ says that I am. So if I get a thought in my head and it's going around, I'm like, would Christ say this to me? Is this something I'd find in my Bible? Is this something I'd learn about in the body of Christ? No, no, no. Then wait a minute. Then the struggle is not failure. What do I mean by that? Romans 7.20. We are not our sin. Therefore, my identity doesn't come from my past. It doesn't come from my failure or problems. It certainly can complicate things for sure, but we do not derive our identity from our failures, okay? So I just said a lot of things here. Do. This is like, I mean, I grew up in a family. The Moors, we are workaholics. We are. We're seven on seven, 24-7. Ask my wife can't sit still. And that's okay if you're motivated, right? Brother, same way. My other brother, same way. My sister, well, my sister, she's amazing, but she doesn't have that problem so much. She's very diligent. She's an awesome mom. Actually, she could run a small country, actually. (laughs) She's pretty industrious. Uh, Yeah, we're all like that, right? We're crazy doers, right? I remember Pastor Schaller saying this years ago. He said, because we are human beings, we're not human doings, right? Remember that? Human beings, like be, be in Christ, be in love, be in the word, be in grace. So when we're accepted, and we hear this word, we belong. We're accepted as we are. We do not have to change. We don't have to fit a certain mold. The world says, be different. Paint your nails black. Have black everything. I I remember talking to a gothic person. They're very interesting people. I had a lot of fun with them. I said, you have some really interesting makeup. You're interesting. Tell me about it. I love your tattoos. That's a great line. 
Love your tattoos. Person's like, what? Every person that has a tattoo has a story. Guy, big sleeves. We used to have a guy in our church called Tattoo Norm. I mean, he, everything but his face was like Tattoo City. I'm like, what is going on in your world? Insecurity. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. But I didn't start there. Are you insecure? No. <laughs> like, sometimes people's car is their identity, right? Sometimes people's clothes are their identity. Sometimes their name is their identity. Like, what defines you? Let me ask you that question. What defines you today? Does grace define you? <clears throat> First Corinthians 15, 10. Paul, who had lots to boast in, he said, only grace defines me. Oh, you don't know where I've been. Well, my, my past doesn't define me. Oh, you don't know who I am. I just got out of jail. Well, I, I don't want to know who you are in the flesh. Grace defines you. This do, this doing is a big deal. This two word, this two letter word here, it's in us. And God is saying, if I am your end game, if I'm, in, if I'm your focus, then your ministry will be anointed, you'll be equipped, you'll be fruitful, you'll, you'll really do what God has called you to do, okay? All right, let's look at a couple verses here. Um, so... My position is not my identity, right? I'm a song leader. Okay, I love, look, I'm, I'm, example, I'm not a song leader, example. Song leader could say, this is who I am. And let's say the leader comes up to you and says, hey, you know what? I want to help this new person in the group. I want to help them grow. I'm going to ask you not to sing. I want you to be the backup singer, All right? All of a sudden, it's like we have a meltdown. We have like a crisis. He doesn't love me anymore. I'm, you know, I'm no longer, you know, I've somehow been replaced. It's the, it's the soulishness of man that comes in that says, you know, I am what I do. And actually, the pastor, the leader is like not, has not, no ill against you or me or whatever. I remember we used to have trouble in the Ukraine with our, with our music ministry. They were super gifted people and they would argue with each other. And because they were, they were so smart and so capable. And I'm like, guys, we need to figure out a way that you work together. And it came to a point, honestly, I said, I want you to pray as much as you practice. You practice two hours. I want you to pray together for two hours. And you know what? Because they had forgotten what, uh, who they were singing to. You know, professional and being, we have we had amazing music, and we have amazing music in our church here, and we have a very anointed people here. So this is no reflection on anybody in our church, but it can happen in our brain. Like, what I do is how people perceive me, what people say about me, what people uh, uh, process in their mind. And uh, we can be so attached to what people say, like Facebook, the likes, right? Instagram, right? The loves. Anyway, so this, in Ukraine, the group, they, they began to pray together. And you know what happened? It was amazing. It transformed our music ministry. It took six months. And then all of a sudden, it was, there was humility, and there was uh, amazing, like, surrender. And the Holy Spirit really visited us. Because it's so easy to wander and, and forget who we're really serving. Who, who are we serving today? We're serving the Lord, right? 
serving the Lord. Okay, so if, if I'm needs-oriented, guess what? The needs will crush us. There will be so many needs. So there's a term here. We're either task-oriented or God-centered. Anybody have any tasks to do today? Tons, right? Tons. And that's okay. Have a plan. I plan 10 things a day, and maybe I reach six. Sometimes I reach three, and sometimes I reach all 10. That's just me. I like to believe God for, you know, that's just how, who I am. Because if you aim at nothing, guess what? You are sure to hit it, right? <laughs> If you don't think about it, or if you don't, if you don't have a plan, then we plan to fail, actually. So, tasks. Let's say I have 50 things or two things to do today, and I'm running to do them, and I run over people in the process, or I miss God's appointment in the process. God says, stop, talk to that person. Stop, pray for that person. Take time and be with me today. Lord, I got too much to do. I'm too busy for God. Ooh, that happens. I can tell you. I'm sure you've experienced it, right? So God-centered means, okay, Lord, I surrender my schedule to you, and I want you to be the Lord of my schedule today. And maybe I just do a few things, but I do them with you, and they're so much more profitable. Right? Make sense? Yeah. All right. How you doing? You good? Sure. Throwing a lot at you today. So let's say... You know, same thing with a leader or a pastor, or let's say I'm a mom or a dad, and my kid goes AWOL. They go prodigal. I failed as a parent, and I'm such a bad person. And it's all of a sudden the result of what I was to be doing determines who I am. Now, I have to say this again and again, because I think we think we know this, but I don't know this. The result doesn't always tell the whole story. Amen? God is working. Let's say a parent is invested in their kid and they grow up and they go, they go off and do their own thing. And is the investment that you put in their life, is that going to return void? It's not. And they'll remember their whole life what was, what was put in their heart. Their whole life. They really will. You may not see the result of it, but God will be faithful to to bring it to pass. All right. Amen? All right. All right. Let me just make sure. I want to get to my notes here. So uh, you're not what you do, okay? So my identity, my identity is who, who I am. My reputation is what? Who people think I am. And my character is who God says that I am, right? Your character, what you do when no one's looking, right? We lack character today on like a monumental scale. Like the corruption that we're seeing is unbelievable. And wouldn't you say? Anybody seen any corrupt people these days? Yes, right? They have a, they have a beautiful face, but they're, they're in the back uh, making a covenant with the devil, right? We're seeing that on a lot of levels. Anyway, so let me share with you a, an interesting point called an orphan spirit, okay? An orphan spirit. 
Any questions? Before I move on, any questions on this? What, somebody talk to me. What am I saying today? What am I saying today? Yeah, call it right out. Talk to me. What am I saying today? Ray. Identity. Okay, identity. Uh-huh. Good. Good. Okay. Okay, anything else? I know it's 9 o'clock in the morning. You guys are awesome. Honey? Good. 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 So she said that God looked at his son and said, This is my son, my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. And this is how God looks at us even before we get out of bed in the morning. And there's a good verse that kind of shows this. Look at Jude. Look at Jude. This is one of my favorite verses. Uh, so do we do to be accepted? You know, missionaries quit because of that. Marriages are lost because of that. But how do we redeem it? I'm accepted. I'm, I belong. You belong. In all of our craziness, God is like, this is, my, this is my trophy of grace, right? How many believe that today? How many understand what I'm saying? This is a simple thought, but all right. Okay, let's look at this. Uh, Jude, I think it's verse... Okay, it would help if I'm in the right book. Jude, yes. Who wants to read Jude one twenty four? Let's look at that together. Jude one twenty four. So when if I get discouraged, it's okay. Discouragement happens. Depression is another thing. Sadness, and I'm maybe struck. <laughs> and I'm going to say this: struggle is not failure. And I, I want you to get that. And Lord, help me get that. If we're struggling, if we're wrestling with God, it means God is working something in. It's Philippians 2.12, right? <clears throat> so identity is discovered how. How is, my dis how is identity discovered? It is, it's what defines me. What is defining me today? Is, is my parents' accusation defining me? Is my sin defining me? Is the love of God defining me? Is the kindness of God? Is the conviction of God? Is the promise of God? That's why when people struggle with the loss of salvation, this happens. Their identity gets stolen because the devil says, you don't act like a Christian. If you were a Christian, you wouldn't do that. You're such a hypocrite. By the way, if you ever notice, Jesus never calls a believer a hypocrite. Look it up in your Bibles. You can't find it. He calls the Pharisees a hypocrite. He calls evil people hypocrites. The believer's never called 
<clears throat> by Jesus, a hypocrite. Isn't that good? So don't be hard on yourselves. Don't be hard. It's counterproductive. But instead, we say, I am what I am by the grace of God. I'm struggling, right? Hebrews 12, 1. Maybe there's a besetting sin. Lay it aside. Give it to Jesus. Say, God, I can't change this. You can. My focus is going to be you. You, 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 you. I'm accepted in you. Come just as you are, and you are accepted. Now, that doesn't mean we're living like the devil. It means that our focus is being changed. And this, who wants to read verse 24? This is a good, Jude 1, 24. Who has it? <clears throat> nice and loud, Pat. Yeah, Okay. Can you read it once once again? This is a three things God does. Three things in this verse. Do you mind reading it again, Paul? Thank you. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. Okay, stop. Who's keeping us from stumbling? Christ. Who? Christ. God. Who? God. Am I keeping myself from stumbling? Okay. The word in us. The conviction of the Spirit, the action of love is keeping me. Right? Good. What's the second one? And to present you faultless. Stop. Present you what? Faultless. 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 As in no fault. (laughs) That is crazy good. Who is talking here? I mean, this is action of God. Okay, and the third one, this one, third one's even better. Listen to the third one. Before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Exceeding joy, as in God's excited about you. This is an identity verse. This is like a verse that I think about when our condition is, is definitely something that can define us. But our position, we call it positional truth, must be that which defines us. Who does Christ say that I am? I know what the devil says that I am. I know what people say that I am. Now, the balance here is that if Christ is our focus, then there will be change. There will be transformation. There will be conversion. I don't want to say... Like someone can live like the devil and say, I'm a Christian and everything's fine and da-da-da. No, if there's, if there's a real uh, focus uh, and a real, um, uh, how do I want to say this? Uh, <laughs> if Christ is our life, then there will be a beautiful change, okay? All right. All right, I want to look at something here. Let's look at Psalm 68. Psalm 68. Pastor Stevens wrote a book that I love. Um, it says, how do, I, uh, how do I Stop Sinning? Anybody read that book? It's like 20 years ago he wrote it. Yeah. Morning. And uh, I think that's the wrong question. And Pastor goes into that in the book. But this is a very real question. When you hear people's messages, it's do and don't. Do and don't. Right and wrong. What is that? That's performance. 
Now, this might be counterintuitive today. <clears throat> it's not about right and wrong. It's about what glorifies God and what doesn't. There's a difference. Right and wrong are based on the law. Okay? And we know that the law is imperfect in Hebrews 7. And Jesus was the fulfillment of that law. But there's a difference what glorifies God and what doesn't. It's like it's like in a marriage. Hey, I won the fight, but I destroyed the person. Yeah, I got a, I got a hashtag. It's like, yeah, I won, I won uh, five fights, and the person's on the floor bleeding from my verbal assault. God's like, what's going to glorify me? What is going to minister me? <laughs> what is going to demonstrate me? Right? That is where we express a spiritual identity, right? So let's say, like performance, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. And remember, don't forget this. Like as we minister to the Lord, as we are walking in our faith, God will ignite a fire in us in Jeremiah chapter 20. And it'll burn, and the ministry will come from that relationship. If I could say one thing today, that'll save you uh, from a lot of uh, just beating the air. Like Paul says, I, I don't want to speak as one that beats the air. I want to speak with words that have meaning. All right, I want to get to where I'm going here. Uh, look at Psalm 68. You guys doing okay? Yes. You guys all right for a few more minutes? I know these are full classes, but I, I know you can handle it, right? Because you're awesome. I'm just projecting value on you right there. I want you to believe it. <laughs> okay. An orphan spirit. We, we taught on this in, in Japan, and, and it's something it's very important to me. So what, it, what is an orphan? Anybody, what's an orphan? Child without parents. Child without parents. In Ukraine, we met a lot of orphans. We worked a lot with orphans in the South. And we would meet lots of uh, kids on the street sniffing glue. And, you know, like 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, just kind of like uncared for, rejected, kind of like um, just really um, displaced, really, right? <clears throat> um, and uh, it, it's amazing the complex that can happen in a child's life when, when they feel dejected or they, they don't belong or somehow they feel like they weren't good enough. And uh, that, that happens in divorce, right? That can happen, a divorce complex like, oh, I wasn't enough or, or whatever. That the lie can come in and really be a shape, shape, a shaper in someone's life in a, in a negative way. Like, for instance, you know, our, God says, I want, I want me and my word to define you, not your past, your present, your sin, what happened to you, what didn't happen to you. It's really uh, so important that grace is defining us. So anyway, I'm remembering one particular story 
of a, of a child, and uh, I remember him coming in. He was a young, he was like 14, and had a crazy past. I mean, his parents were addicted, and just um, it was just a disaster. So he would come to the church and just hang out with us a lot. And uh, I, I said, I said, why do you come here? He says, I feel love here. I'm accepted here. Uh, I'm not thrown away. I'm not. Uh, I'm not yelled at here. I'm not hit. I'm not hit here. That's a, that's another big thing. And he just hung around, and he hung around, and um, we just loved him, and we fed him, uh, we encouraged him, and uh, his parents were out to lunch, just out out of the. So he hung out with us a lot. He went evangelism with us, and we fed him, and eventually he grew up and. Uh, became part of our Bible school. And uh, interestingly enough, he's a pastor today in another city leading a church. It's very interesting. It's amazing. And the success story is that him being an orphan did not, did, was not his destiny. It was not something that defined him, right? Because we know an, an orphan spirit is someone that has been, uh, and I want to define this today, as we read it, because I want to read it correctly, an orphan spirit is living with an identity apart from Christ loving us. Okay? It's separate from the love of God. Okay? Revelations 2 4. So people will come to you, will come to your meetings. Not to necessarily be theologically educated, even though we are educators, but they're going to come to be loved by God. They're going to come to be heard. They're going to come to be discovered and valued, right? And I'll never forget this. My brother, maybe many of you know my brother's story, he adopted a, a, a young boy. And the story there with Caleb, I mean... There were two, the story is, honestly, they were in the process of adoption. They were adopting a, um, a child uh, in Texas, and he was a Mexican child, and they were thrilled about that. And then all of a sudden, they got an emergency call one day, and they said, we have an emergency placement because there's a one-year-old boy that was that, with his addicted parents on the street, and he was used as a compassion card to, for people to give. Mm-hmm. And this boy, his name, well, his name's Caleb. Uh, he was eating one, day, one time a day, full of bug bites. He was literally on the streets for ten, over 10 hours a day, and people were giving uh, money to the parents because of the pity of the kid. And the, and the parents would just smoke it, drink it, shoot it all the, all the way. So the um, Department of, Help and, uh, Department of uh, Human Services got involved. And they took this kid away from the parent and miraculously put it with my brother and Gosha. And, and within six months, the parents, and there was really an, uh, a struggle to have these parents uh, get clean. Like, you have a kid. Actually, they had a few kids. Uh, or one other kid. This is your son. Like, Aren't you motivated to get clean so you can have your son? They weren't. I mean, we know how drugs are. Drugs are a tremendous snare. And, and obviously, I'm, I'm, don't, ever, don't ever get involved. If, I mean, 
Don't, it's a snare. It, it, it's very difficult to get over. Um, God can do it. But these parents surrendered their parental right. And Caleb began to stay uh, with my brother and his wife. And it's very interesting. He's Norwegian and German. It looks very much like Gosha and Chris. It's, it's like kind of unusual. Like biologically, this looks like there could be their son. And it is their son. Anyway, the point is Caleb... Uh, He's an amazing kid. How many people have seen Caleb? He's an amazing kid. He really is. And literally, God saved his life. God literally saved his life. I mean, imagine a one-year-old on a mat on the side of the road. It just makes me want to cry thinking about it. Like, you know, the parent, the deception of the parent. Like, and that's what drugs do. Drugs where you'll sell your mother for drugs. I've seen that. Maybe you've seen that. You sell. Yeah, it's horrible. That's why I get angry when, when young people, they, you know, the curiosity of it is one thing, but drugs always lead to death. It, death. Drinking, same thing. It's like I have no tolerance for that now because we've seen so much destruction. Um, you can't even manage it. Sin is, is such a it's, like a, it's like a wrecking ball. Anyway, the point, <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with that. Okay, 68.6. Let's look at this. Psalm 68.6. Um, so Caleb was brought into a family, and today he's a happy uh, kid and doesn't remember prayerfully the first year of his life. And this is what God does. God is constantly remaking us, and 68.6 is a great verse. Who wants to read that? Who wants to read that? Go for it, Ray. Uh, God sets the lonely in families. He leads out prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. Okay. God puts the what? The solitary, the lonely, the forgotten, the thrown away, the dejected, the destitute, the, vag- the, bag- the vagabonds. He puts them where? Families. He puts them in a family. So what an amazing example of the church. All of us have crazy stories, right? And we come here and we say, I come as I am. And Jesus is like, great. I'm going to give you a new robe. I'm going to give you a ring. I'm going to kill the fatted calf. I'm going to put new shoes on you. I'm going to give you a new name. Our identity, isn't that beautiful? And this is, this is what's going on in our life on a daily basis, right? All right. Do we need to take a break? Are you okay? All right. Let me stop there because I'm going to get going in another another vein. I want to develop this. Let's take take five minutes. You good? Five minutes? Okay. Amen. And anybody has a question or comment, we can talk. Okay, you guys ready for part two? I know we're like... We're like a machine gun today, but you can handle it. <laughs> hey, good question by Ray. I want to kind of highlight on this question. Uh, John chapter 14, if you love me, you'll do my commandments, right? What's he talking about in John 14? What's he talking about? What is the greatest commandment? What's Norby? Love your Love your God. Yes. So, if you love me, you'll be obedient 
to my command, which is to love one another. So commandments are God's decrees or God's non-negotiables. So a lot of people are trying to fulfill the 642 laws of the Mosaic law. Good luck. I mean, if you sin even in your mind, you've broken them all. So that's like a losing battle. But if this is why the whole point of what I'm saying today is it's about love. Love. I can only love based on how much I've been loved. Let's say that together. I can love based on how much I've been loved. Like, let that statement kind of process through you. I can love. Let's say it together. I can love based on how much I've been loved. And guess what? If I'm not being loved, I can't love. Like, I can't give what I don't have. So discouragement happens when we get hard on ourselves. We have unrealistic expectations. Unrealistic. How about this? Misguided. Expectations. I love how Pastor Love says, expectation is like a loaded gun. You do this for me. Or, you do this and I'll accept you. You do this and I'll listen to you. It's interesting, in the Asian community, uh, I noticed something. Um, the... Uh, <laughs> You know, they have a high um, emphasis on titles. And because uh, and their culture is all about honor. And I love their culture, actually. But I, I notice partiality. With every culture, there's always a nuance, isn't there? So I'm not being hard on the Asians, so don't misunderstand me. But I do notice when someone is talking and they're not, they have no titles, they're not regarded very highly. But when you have a title, right, Paul? Paul lived there. When you have a title, it's a whole nother ball game, isn't it? So God, God has no partiality. Okay, I don't know why I brought that up, but that's a point. Okay, so orphan spirit. When we're separate from the love of God. I want to give you a couple points because Christians can have an orphan spirit. Now, fortunately, I grew up in a home, I, I grew up in a healthy home, right? So when I talk about orphans, it's, it's something I'm learning and observing. Maybe your situation's different. But in Christianity, we can all have an orphan spirit if we have an identity separate from the love of God. So what do I mean by that? Well... Um, we say these things, okay? I'm going to give you a couple points. I'm a product of my environment. I want you to listen to some of these things. I'm a product of my environment. That means if something goes wrong, I blame the environment. I blame people. Let's say I'm a, I'm a carpenter and I mess up a project and I blame my tools. That's absurd, right? Who's the one holding the tool, right? So, did that, was Adam and Eve a product of their environment? No. 
No, their heart, the serpent spoke to the heart, and they were deceived. So, let me show you another one. Number two, looks or intellect determine my factor of success. My looks or intellect, my performance. Right? Anybody ever watch America's Got Talent? I love that show. My son and I watch it all the time. We should be one of the judges. We're bad. Give that person an X. Oh, my gosh. Man, if the Galileans, the Galileans would have never made it, right? If it was based on looks, intellect, education, history, right? Right, what did, what did the Pharisees say? Aren't these Galileans? But they've been with Jesus. That was the big part. They've been with Jesus. Number two, my value is what people place on me. My value is what people place on me. I met with someone yesterday, and, and they, they said this statement. I, I, it really struck me. They said, people validate me. And I'm not going to say the whole thing because... They had some destructive thought patterns, but people validate me, and therefore I think this way. And they were very, they had some very uh, suicidal thoughts. I said, wait a minute. Let's talk about Jesus. What does Jesus say about you? People are going to change like the weather, right? Don't trust people. I mean, sorry. We trust Christ in people, amen? Amen. Let, let people surprise you with, the, with their godliness. I can't believe that person failed. Well, newsflash, they have, they have an old sin nature. I'm not condoning it, but don't be surprised. Okay. Um, fourthly, my value is based on what I produce. Okay, these, these are things that separate me from love. Because love says, 1 John 4.19, I love you before you had any ability to love me back. That fancy word, ontologicalism, there's a good theological word, means I was before there was a reason to be. I was before there was a reason to express. I was before I was a reason to demonstrate. I was before you had a need for me. Ontologicalism. So God says, I am, 1 John 4.18, uh, 1 John 3.1, right? 1 John 3.16, we love this, 3.18. God is love. He's not, like a, he's not like a part of love. He's not like an example of love. He's not some, it, it, it's like a drop of water, right? And then you have an ocean, Right? It's the ocean. God is, I'm the ocean. I am everything that has to do with love. All right. Let me show you a couple of things. So uh, when we're detached from God loving us, we stop receiving perfect love. Okay, let me, let me give you an interesting word. Perfectionism. Anybody, don't answer this question. Perfectionism. Anybody struggle with this? Don't answer that. Being perfect. OCD about it? I heard a funny joke about OCD. You'd have, if you were really OCD, you would change those letters around, right? OCD would be CDO. 
Okay, we got we had an OCD person right there. <laughs> you got the joke. Okay, being perfected, being being perf, uh, being a perfectionist, is really discouraging, isn't it? It's okay to have like goals and 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 have like a vision, but God's not called us to be perfect. Perfect. He's called us to receive perfect love. There's a big difference. If people have to fit through my keyhole before I open my door, and that door will never open. God says, you could never be lovable unless I deemed you lovable, right? It's a big statement, isn't it? Identity. What's defining you? What's motivating you? What's driving you? Okay, let me show you a couple things here. Perfect love, I'm going to give you four points. You ready? Perfect love ministers based on the giver, not the responder. Perfect love ministers based on the giver, not the responder. Perfect love ministers based on the giver, the giver, the giver, not the responder. So we can ignore God, not that I recommend it. We can wander from God, not that I'd recommend it. And God is still loving us. He's perpetual. He's relentless. He's extravagant. Like the ocean waves. Anybody like the ocean here? You just collapse in the ocean. You're totally enveloped in the water. The waves keep coming and keep coming and keep coming and keep coming. This is our God. This is what changes our identity. Let's say I'm shell-shocked or broken or life has messed us up. God is like, let me love you. Let me rebuild you. Let me redefine you. Let me tell you who you really are. Jeremiah 31, we've said this verse, 31.4. Okay. Number two. Love acts without waiting for a response. Love acts without waiting for me to respond. Have you ever asked somebody for forgive? You ever forgiven somebody and you're waiting for them to forgive you or say I'm sorry? Like I've forgiven you. Like what's the big deal? Aren't you going to forgive me? Unfortunately, not everyone's going to forgive you, even though you've forgiven them. Don't wait for a response, right? Jesus, if Jesus waited for our response. He would have never went to the cross, right? So an orphan spirit comes in when I am like, I am human. I have a human reasoning, right? Like, I think one of the greatest destructive measures is religion because it's, it's man's concept of God. Whew. Right? That's why the legalist is a miserable person, right? Okay, number three. Uh, ba, 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 ba. It relates, okay, God's love relates to us in our potential. God's love relates to us, relate, speaking of the word relationship, it relates or connects or handles us in our potential, What's your potential today? Well, 
we could say in human standards, we could make X amount of bucks, we could have a big church, we could have an amazing family, we could have, I don't know, what our work ethic can produce for us. Nothing wrong with that. But God says, my potential is my ability in you. God's, God's potential is his ability who he is making you to be. Who he is making you to be. Who he has made you to be. You caught fish, now I'm going to make you a fisher of men. That's potential. Potential. God's ability in us. Love says, I'm looking at you that way. Think about 1 Corinthians 13 for a minute. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. It endures Does God endure you? Is God enduring you today? No. I mean, in one sense, he's forbearing. Love is causing him to have long suffering. It's amazing, the patience of God. Like, when we get discouraged and life does it, it's amazing when we look away and say, God, who are you? Like, I don't want to think about who I am. Who are you? Who are you? I want to talk about, think about, meditate on you. And then there's times of refreshment. There's times of, of just quietness. There's times to break away from the schedule and go skydiving, maybe. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever that, you know. I like hiking. It's good. Whatever you do to refresh yourself, find that. That's important. And make sure it's lawful, okay? <laughs> okay. Driving 150 miles an hour in a Corvette, that that refreshes me. No, I'm not talking about that. You know, that that does sound fun. Okay. Uh, Number four, God's care. Okay, I'm sorry. Back up. 1 Corinthians 13. I want to look at this verse because this is is how God loves us. This is how God loves us. And this helps us not have an orphan spirit. It's amazing the baggage we carry. And we're, we're layers, so we're peeling back layers. And as you minister to people, you're going to be peeling back layers and layers and layers. Okay, we just read, we just read four. Uh, I want to show you one awesome verse that always strikes me. I think it's seven. Um. Okay. It is four, excuse me. Love suffers long, it's kind, does not envy, does not parade itself, does not puff up, does not behave itself, does not seek its own, okay? Somebody said to me the other day, I can't, I don't have this kind of love. I said, right on, we don't. We receive this love. This is how God loves us. We fellowship with him and he produces that love through us. Do you have any grace? By the way, do you have any grace that you can give somebody? Yeah, myself, no. Right. We don't give grace. We are a conduit of receiving grace. Right? So look at these, look at these beautiful words. Love thinks no evil. Do you see that? Love thinks no evil. How many have seen that verse? All of us, right? But are we learning that verse? I can know it, but do I believe it? I can know it, but do I live in it? I can know it, but is it something that's alive in me? 
Love thinks no evil. That means if I am thinking evil about myself, I am not living in love. And I'm living detached from my identity. Oh, you don't know who I am or what I've done or what... I don't really... That doesn't matter to me. What matters is right now. What are you doing with God right now? It's like somehow we think probation is needed or we have to somehow earn God. We have to somehow be spiritual for God to accept us. I mean, this is like... Maybe this is like not rocket science today, but I find a lot of discouragement is found in not relating to ourselves in the love of God. Love thinks no evil. Oh, I don't have any parents, or I don't have privilege, or like we just did a face-to-face, and we heard an amazing uh, tribute about how this family came from the projects, and and you can, you can disqualify yourself and myself all day long, but God never disqualifies you. Because why? With God, it's all about God. All right, look at Romans 10.3. I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but with God, it's all about God. Right? Amen? Amen. You still with me? Yes, sir. Any Pentecostals in the room tonight, today? <laughs> Honestly, you and I, as we relate to ourselves in Christ, in Christ, the book of Ephesians, in Christ, in Christ, in him, Colossians, in him, in him, in him, in him. What's the hope of glory? Him in me. Him, 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 him. I can't separate myself from that. If I do, I'm going to have an orphan spirit and and God is going to be very small in my life. I'm going to be powerless and subject to all kinds of things because I'm an orphan. And the devil's like, yeah, I'm your father, right? John 8, 44, and I'm, and I'm a liar. Let me lie to you some more, okay? And we say, nope. God loves me, and love produces the change. Love produces the change. All right, Romans 10, 3. Who wants to read Romans 10, 3? Romans 10, 3. I'm encouraged today, aren't you? We are not orphans, Amen. We are sons in Romans 8, 36. We're sons, daughters. Listen, how many parents do we have here? Okay. I mean, we would give our lives for our kids, honestly. Wouldn't, we, we hope so. At least I think so, right? Amen. It's like, oh, you know, it's like flesh of your flesh. It's, uh, it's a deep bond. Okay. 10-3. Who's, who's in 10-3? Let's see. Somebody hasn't talked. Emmanuel, do you mind? Can I have you... You're a good reader. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about establishing their own righteousness have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. They've not what? Submitted to the righteousness of God. Okay. Like I can elevate my sin, my past, my, my funk above God's righteousness. And God is saying... If you go to produce your own goodness, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be always lacking. That's why discouragement happens. Now, I don't want you to be analytical and you know because we all get discouraged. It's what we do with it that's important. We only lose when we quit. If I get discouraged, and I do, I get with people that I know can encourage me. If I get discouraged, I just... I break up the schedule, maybe I break away and pray, or I walk and just meditate, or 
Uh, get around people that are hilarious. Like Joy is, a, is a, an amazing defensive tool. It's amazing. So when we receive the love of God personally, we uh, are matured in love. Okay? Let me give you a couple more points here. Like think about the orphan. As they get established in a family, they're probably asking themselves, well, I don't know why these people love me. I'm not worth being loved. Or maybe they're thinking, I got to be, I got to do everything right so they keep loving me. Or whatever goes through the orphan's mind, right? It's all earning. It's all earning. It's all performance. It's all, it's all measurement and balancing. God is like, guys, this is all about me. You can enjoy me and experience the power of love. Or you can keep like that little rat, that little rat in, the, in the, the circle wearing yourself out. This is why, this is how you have longevity in ministry. This is how you, this is how you continue with God, right? God is loving you. God is, we're discovering the depth of his love. Ephesians 3, this is a great verse. Ephesians 3, uh, 17 through 19, we are... There's no depth, length, height, and width to It's immeasurable. All right. So a couple things here. How do we keep from an orphan spirit? We re- number one, we receive love. Rather, we receive perfect love rather than trying to be perfect. We receive love. What does that mean? I'm going to believe what God says about me more than what I say about myself. I'm going to believe what God says more than what people say. I'm going to believe what God says more than what my performance can produce. Awesome. Awesome. How many people in your church? I got one person in my church. Man, you better get busy. Really? Believe me, evangelism, uh, you know, we work, we work like 100 hours in the church, let's say, 70 to 100 hours. I mean, it's, it's not about counting the hours. If you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. We've, all, we've always heard that. The church is the hardest job you'll ever love. You work your tail off, and that's good because there's no silver platter. There's nobody coming with a, you know, handing. No, no, you, you're laboring as a co-laborer with God. Prayer, investment discipleship, evangelism, and it's, it's fun, right? It's a joy. If it's not, you're in, the wrong, you're in the wrong place. That's what I'll just say. If you can't love what you do, then you're in the wrong place, okay? And I mean that for working in the ministry. You're in the right place today. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> Whole class exits now. Honestly, if you're miserable, if you're miserable, don't do it. Don't do it. It's like, like a monk, got to be a monk. Be a monk, you know. It's, you know, whatever. God bless those people. Okay. All right. Number two, fellowship with the value that perfect love places on you. Fellowship with the love that perfect value uh, that perfect love places on you. What is God? What I love this verse. God, Isaiah thirteen. 12, I have made man 
more precious than fine gold. The mental gymnastics is real, right? If it gets complicated, God is not complicated. Remember, struggle is what? Struggle is not failure. If you don't have trouble, you're in trouble, right? You think the devil's sitting on his hands watching you and saying, hmm, I'll just be neutral here. No, the devil's never neutral. He's like, that guy is dangerous. He's loving everybody or praying for everybody or demonstrating in a simple way his life with faith, of faith. Is he perfect? Definitely not perfect, right? Don't put yourself under unnecessary standards. That's really, that's like misguided means it's in the wrong place. Unrealistic means there's no way I can even achieve them. I'm going to pray for three hours. You ever done that? I tried that one time. I fell asleep in five minutes. Bam! <laughs> Woke up, had the best night's sleep. I was like, yeah. <laughs> Next day, I was like, okay, maybe I'll do six minutes. <laughs> Seven minutes. Okay, number three. Learn to love myself the way Jesus loves me. Now, are people going to love you like Jesus? No. And in a relationship, especially in a close relationship, we can't put people in like this straitjacket. Like, you got to love me this way. And, I mean, you know, you might as well, you know, that's not going to work. So let Jesus love me. Jesus is loving me through his Bible. Jesus is loving me through spirit-filled people. By the way, if people are not spirit-filled, then of course they're going to communicate from the devil. If people are not spirit-filled, of course they're going to speak from the dust. Like, discern spirit-filled people. Don't receive things from people that are not spirit-filled. It's like we take so much value in what people say, and sometimes the devil speaks through people. So I'm going to detach myself from people's expectations and attach myself to the love of God. And then we are free. We're free. Paul said, I am judged. He says, it's a very little thing that you judge me. I, I don't care what you say about me. It's a very little thing that you judge me because I know how God knows me. All right. Okay, so we said this, the overflow, number four of perfect love, builds healthy relationships, the overflow. That means I've known Pat, I don't know, long time. Long time. And we have great conversations. We have real conversations, right? But the basis of our, of our relationship is the love of God, right? So that means she cannot fail me and I cannot fail her. Why? Because we've moved away from the measurable into the immeasurable. Pat owes me nothing. Owes me Zippo, right? Oh, no man, anything but to love. That's it. Will people fail you? I'm sorry to say yes, but our hope is not in anything else except the Christ in that person. All right, let me show you another amazing verse. Look at Micah. The orphan spirit. Lord, tell me again. Lord, show me again. And then we move from doing to be accepted to accepted, and then we're very diligent. 
1 Corinthians 15.10 says, It was the grace of God that labored in my life more abundantly. Grace labored. All right, who's, who's in Micah? Who's in Micah? Seven, excuse me. Seven, eight. Micah's in the New Testament. <laughs> Somebody took it out of my Bible. Okay, yes, Terry, go ahead. Rejoice not against me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. I read it again. I love it. Rejoice not against me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. Read it again. I love it. <laughs> Rejoice not against me. Oh, my enemy, when I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. How I handle people in failure says a lot about my relationship of love. How I handle people in failure shows a lot if I'm an orphan or if really I have a relationship with love. Now, don't be hard on yourself. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. Uh, none of us are, like, stellar at this. But that's a good lit litmus test. Don't rejoice over me, my enemy. My re enemy is absolutely rejoicing. Satan was ecstatic at the cross, right? We killed him. But I love this statement. I will arise. I will arise. So you may... Find people at their worst. Don't define people in their worst state. Let's say someone goes through a difficult season. And um, I know a man, he left the ministry for seven years. And, um, and I was close to this person. And they went through their wilderness season. We prayed for them. Pastor Schaller was, he says, my door is always open to this person. And then they came to the church one day, and the person said, Pastor, can you meet me in the parking lot? I'm too ashamed to come into the church. And Pastor walked out to the car and walked this person into the church. And he said, he says, I'm in so many words, you belong here. That's what he said. And this person's been restored, and there's been a beautiful ministry that God has given this person. And that is awesome, right? The prodigal party, right? We have a prodigal party, as Pastor Bailey said, right? And it's not like we're rejoicing over the sin because sin is very destructive. It wastes time. It hurts. It makes lots of destruction. But we are rejoicing in the reconciliation, right? So how you handle, how I handle people in failure, it will show a lot what's going on in my heart. I can't believe that person did that. Oh, really? Newsflash. I would probably do the same thing in certain circumstances, and so would you, right? Hopefully not, right? So defining people in the grace of God. Okay. All right, let me show you a couple things. Uh, so this age is called the fatherless generation, right? This age is called the fatherless generation. The age we're in. The age we're in, yep. So we've done jail ministry. Maybe you've been in the jails ministering. Hopefully you've not been in jail. 
But if you have, that's okay too, because <laughs> you're not there today. Uh, okay, bad joke. Okay, <clears throat> 80% of men, they say, 80% of men that have gone to jail is because the roots of their brokenness is they have no relationship with their father. 80%, and that's actually a low number, I think. Because of either a bad relationship with their dad or no relationship with their dad or a bad representation of authority, people act out negatively and maybe even violently. Same thing with women. Or we could say this about men. They're, they're, they're craving nurturing from their mother. These are real, these are real things. When we're orphaned, there's like a huge void, and we're filling it with all kinds of things. And it's amazing how when you fill things with things, it never loves. My car will never love me. My clothes will never love me. My favorite shoes will never love me, right? I love my shoes. I love my coffee. No, no, no. It's like God says, I'm going to love you deeply. And I want to give you three amazing words. I wrote a book on this, and so time will fail us, but uh, this came from a message from Pastor Schaller in 1998, and uh, this will help us understand today our identity. And, um, and we have nothing to boast in. That's amazing. No matter what we've done, like, I always cringe when someone has a long list of successes I'm like I'm like that's great you know you know stop talking about yourself you know that kind of thing um, that's just it's just me because we have only one thing to boast in what's the only thing we boast in Jesus. Christ and the cross right yeah. all right so we are deeply seen fully known and completely Loved. Completely. How do you spell that? I think that works good. <laughs> Correct me. I've got a good spelling here. This is, this is the shocker. God sees everything. Hebrews 4.13. God sees it all. That's scary. I told that to one guy. He ran away. <laughs> it's like, I don't want anything to do with God. He sees it. God sees it all. He sees the intent of our heart. And... We no longer have to hide because he loves what he sees. God loves me on my good days. He loves me on my bad days. He loves me when I have horns, breathing fire, and then when I'm angelic. God's like, your performance hurts your experience. Yes, but it never changes my action to you. This is important. Your performance affects your experience, which means I can experience God as much as I want to the measure I obey and receive from him. But it never changes the foundation of who he is. Does that make sense? What did I just say? I know I'm kind of, I'm really giving you a lot today, but I love this. I'm excited. Right? If, if I love somebody, I'm going to spend time with them, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend time and enjoy them. I want to hear their voice. I want to be in their presence, right? Right? There's a little relationship counseling here. 
to love somebody, you need to be near them, <laughs> right? That's why long-distance relationships are a little bit challenging, right? All right. God deeply sees us. He sees all the way down in us. He knows the past. He knows the presence, present, and he loves what he sees. Number two, he fully knows us, who we really are. Who are you? I'm everything that God says that I am and nothing that the devil says that I am. I'm kind of repeating this because these are life-transforming principles. Fully known. Not what I project, not my happy face, not my saving face, not my imposter. I don't have to fake it till I make it. Not faking it. Right? Completely loved. Isn't this good? So good. All right. Any comment on that? It could change somebody's entire world if they understood and believed those things. Mm-hmm. Literally put all their pieces into order. Yes. My wife and I were at, um, at, at some camp or whatever, and we were doing a project. Anyone ever build a mosaic? Aren't those fun? What do you have to do? You have to break the, the glass, right? Or you have broken pieces of glass, right? All different colors. And then you put them into another form. And then it becomes something beautiful, right? So something that was broken, shattered, worthless, just needs to be put into a new place. Right? A mosaic, right? This is what happens. This is what love does in our life. Right? So my beauty or my ashes become beautiful, right? What happened to me now becomes a testimony. What wrong thing happened created wisdom on how not to have it happen again, Lord willing. Deeply seen. This deals with guilt, shame, and fear. Oh my gosh, right? Guilt, I've done something bad. Shame, I am something bad. I take on the identity of my sin. Fear, I cannot go near anybody because I'm such a bad person. That's our world. And you have a message that transcends that. God knows everything you did. Oh, I'm thinking of many illustrations. Just, um, yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? Let me show you one interesting verse, Psalm 145. Uh, how you doing? You guys all right? For right? We're almost done. Any questions? Any questions? What are we talking about today? Sammy, what are we talking about today? Identity. Identity. What are we talking about today? Identity in Christ and how he loves us. Love. Yeah, love. How much we are loved. How much we're loved, right? Anybody seen that sign in the in the people's drive uh, people's lawns like love is love and <laughs> love everything. <laughs> love everybody and 
Every time I see that, I want to burn that little lawn sign. My neighbor. There's a fire in my front lawn. Yeah, I did it. No. You know, it's just so... Uh, love is not flim-flammy, right? It's not random. All right. All right. Psalm 1. Is it 145? It's an interesting verse here. I love this. Anybody else? As I'm looking for this verse. What, what do you... Are you catching what I'm throwing down? Paul, what are you catching today? Um, in terms of identity, you know, performance does not determine my, my value. My value determines my performance. Excellent. Good. Duran, what are you thinking? That um, <coughs> the things that we do, you know, in life does not define who we are. It does not define our endpoints. You know, it's all who God said we are, that we are. Excellent. Good. Ice cream, what are you what are you catching? Antoine. How'd you ever get your name ice cream? That's another that's another conversation. Okay. It's good to have him in Baltimore, isn't it? Yes. He's back. Yeah, so I'm back. Isn't that a Terminator <laughs> line? I'll be back. Okay. <laughs> I like the the mosaic analogy because sometimes like when we identify when our identity is in what we do in the world it leaves us broken yeah it's almost like saying like trying to not you know saying you're perfect and you don't sin it's like you fall short every time but it's like my identity in christ is what keeps me and saves me saves so i don't have to be what the world well well it's like i i can take that for what it is, how I'm looking in the world, but I don't have to dwell on that. You know, it's not, I'm not going to ignore it, but I don't dwell on it. Okay, good point. I'm not going to ignore it, right? So if, if I'm broken in an area, right, I get help. I study God's mind about that area. I don't deny it. That's a big thing. I don't, right? But, I, but I'm approaching it with God. That's good. I can't find the verse. It's either 145 or 147. It says, release me from my prison so I will praise thee. I don't know. Maybe one of you can find it. Uh, release me from my prison. So good. Uh, so don't, don't, uh, I, don't, I don't want to start like that. Um, let's stay attached to God's love. Let's. Because even in a relationship, like in a marriage, is your spouse going to complete you? The answer is no. That's Hollywood's magically <laughs> deceptive line. But your spouse or the person that you you know that you marry or are dating, you know, can they love me with God's love? Uh, and that's something you learn together. And so, a biblical relationship. I always tell people, a girl or a guy that loves God will love you correctly. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, um, that it's better than the un, unsaved. That the unsaved, they're just they have no idea of God's love. They're they're all earning it. They're all they're ignorant of it. Eric, what do you what do you what are you getting from today's class? Okay, um, if you you were talking about position, okay, if your position is determined out of yourself, you're always going to fail. But if you think instead of the same position as in finished work from a divine viewpoint, you have eternal success. 
Good. Mm. By the way, that was 142.7. Okay, you want to read it? That's a great verse. 142.7, thank you. Bring my soul out of the prison that I might praise thy name. The righteous shall compass me about, for thou shalt deal bountifully with me. So, how do you deal with yourself in failure? How do you deal with other people in failure? These are big questions. Am I a legalist? Am I a pacifist? Am I a, a brother that comes in low and helps pull the person out of the pit? Psalm 40. Psalm 40. By the, by the way, I remember talking to a brother. I've uh, been in the church 20 years, and he made a, just a, tr a terrible mistake, and, and uh, he was beating him himself up, and I can't believe I did this, and, and I don't want to minimize sin in any way, but I, well, he said something very interesting. He says, I've heard about forgiveness all my life, but today, today, I'm beginning to understand it. Right? We can have a knowledge, right? And this is why failure, God uses failure, and I'm, again, I'm not condoning it, but he uses failure to bring us to a place where we understand our depravity. Yeah. John 15, 5, I can do nothing without him. I can do nothing. Zippo, nada. So my knowledge turns to revelation, right? This is Ephesians 1, 17 and 18. So certainly we make no place for the devil. Certainly we do not grieve the spirit. Certainly these things are in place. But if, if and when it happens, we have a beautiful way of rebound, right? The orphan spirit isolates and does it alone, right? A, a son goes to his father or his mother and says, listen, you know, do you still love me? Of course I love you. Of course I love you. I don't love what you did, but I love you. That never changes. I see you. I know you. And I love you. These things are constant. There's an interesting word in the Bible called unilateral. God made a unilateral decision. He has decided within himself to love us regardless of our opinion. Isn't that good? Unilateral. A decision, eternal decision made by one person. So this helps us understand the needs of people the needs of ourself. By the way, don't ignore your needs, your spiritual needs. Take care of yourself spiritually. Take care of yourself physically. Take care of yourself emotionally. <clears throat> what am I saying here? Don't ignore yourself. Don't focus on yourself. But if there are needs and, and things that you struggle with, right? Struggle is not failure. It's not failure. Just because you're struggling with something doesn't mean you're in sin. But get with people that are strong in that area. Get with people that are wise in that area. Get with God alone. Pour out your heart to God, and he will refresh you. He will strengthen you. I love this passage in Isaiah 40. We know 
we know that 28 through 31, those that wait on the Lord, he will give wisdom. All right. Let's close in 2 Corinthians 6.18. Any other comments? Uh, who else can I call? Uh, Luke, what are you catching in this class today? Sorry, I'm just putting people on the spot. Second um, Corinthians six eighteen as Luke shares. A lot of times we try to um, like say try to prove ourselves to God like by what we do, saying how He's like working our life, but we don't see that all the time. It always seems like something's wrong in the background. But the thing is that He's the unchanging part, and we're reacting to that more so. Like if we're the responders in that in this relationship. Just as much as with a man and a woman like in a uh, marriage relationship, um, there's like a somewhat of a like instigate like a um, like responding to personally instigating a little bit mm-hmm. like with with love like that's how we we are with Christ like he's like marriage is a representation of that same relationship like he's the head and we are responding to the love that was given to us. Excellent. Good. Like initiations, right? Excellent. Good. Maria, do you want to say anything? So Maria or Marie? Marie. Marie, you want to say anything? I was thinking about like resting. Okay. Resting in God's love and just resting in not having to do anything. Rest. Beautiful. I'm reminded of a of a quote. Uh, resting or peace doesn't mean you're not doing anything. It just means you're moved in the right spirit, right? And I, that's, you know, you're moved and motivated in the right spirit. That's good. Excellent. Pastor Elshon, anything you want to say? I'm just thinking about I did feel God. That is what I take it from here. That his presence, this is what we focus on. The more we get to know God, Yes. Good. So in my possession, uh, maybe you've seen this. This came from a theology class. I call it the grace identity. And it's 69 verses about who we are in Christ. And this is like the bulk of what I counsel from. I've done it for a lot of years because I feel like if someone doesn't know who they are, they're not going to know what to do. Everyone's like, what do I do? What's the will of God? What am I supposed to be doing? And it, that's not the right question, even though that seems like a right question. The question is, who am I? If I know who I am in Christ, then I'll know what God has called me to do. Okay? Make sense? Because that's a real question we've asked ourselves for year, years. What am I, why am I on this earth? What's my purpose? What am I? Da, 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 da? God's like, chill out. Like, your focus is you. I need it to be me. <laughs> When you're grounded in me, in Hebrews 13, 9, you're established in grace, I will show you what to do. Because newsflash, people are not going to want to know about you. They're going to want to know what, what Luke said. They're going to want to know about Christ in you, right? So this is a great resource. Like, uh, you know, things like uh, I'm a child born again, forgiven, a new, create, new creation. I'm, a, I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm redeemed. I'm blessed. I'm a saint. I'm elected, I'm victorious, I'm set free, I'm dead to sin, I'm alive to Christ, reconciled to God. This is, I mean, I got 69 verses. We can make copies of that if you want, um, or you can fight over it. You can see, you can see what this is. 
The survival of the fittest here. Maybe Durano would win that game. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> this guy's got more muscles. Than anyway, this is a, oh, actually Tim. You might have trouble with Tim. Tim's, <laughs> Tim's pretty huge over there. All right. Anyway, we'll make coffees for you. Uh, that is a great, we call it the grid of the mind. If I know who I am in Christ, it's less likely to be lied to, right? Another huge, I mean, I'm talking, there's a lot we could say. People believe a lie because they don't know the truth about themselves. So if I study the truth, the lie is exposed. So much discouragement happens when I'm just listening to the wrong voice, right? So good. All right, last verse, right to the wire here. 2 Corinthians 6.18. <laughs> Uh, this is this is like reality right here, right? Uh, Pastor Elfron, do you want you want to read that verse, please? And I will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Mm. I will be a father to you. Isn't that good? What verse is that? Second Corinthians six eighteen. Right. It's interesting as you watch your parents get older. Uh, my dad is 81, and the relationship today is different than it was, let's say, years ago. The frailty, the frailty of people, it's interesting, right? And, um, you know, God is saying, maybe, you know, maybe you have greater needs. Let me be the one that meets your needs. Let me be the one that defines you. Let me be the one that accepts you. Let me be the one that validates you. Let me be the one that confirms you. Because so much insecurity happens when I'm looking for validation and I'm looking in the wrong place. Like it's interesting, when you talk with Pastor Schaller, I've learned this over the years, you may have an ex expectation for him to encourage you verbally. Or say, hey, you're doing great, and I'm excited about, ex excited about your mission. What happens if he doesn't say anything? Or let's not put his name only. What happens if people don't pat you on the back and say, yeah? What, what happens? Like, can you continue? Is it, is it from God? Is God encouraging you? So this is another class. And can we encourage ourselves? Maybe this is like what we're saying today. If I'm attached to love, it, I don't need accolades. I don't. You don't need, ad, you know, the, the 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 limelight. You don't need it. Why? Because you're living for the audience of one, and He sees everything. Isn't that good? Amen. He sees it all. He sees the tears. He sees the struggle. He sees the anger. He sees the joy. He sees the confusion. <laughs> like God, are you really there? He knows the real you. Sinner saved by grace. Amen. Sinner. Any sinners in the room today? By the way, it's like, my message is not about sin. We know that already, right? Our message is about the Son, right? He loves us. So, Father, bless these thoughts. Lord, help us live in the, in the revelation of this. Encourage us, God. There's so, much, there's so much that is negative in our world. Uh, there's so much uh, the devil is constantly like a Goliath screaming. 
God, just we thank you today. Thank you that we can, we are not orphans. We are in a family. We are treasured, valued. Uh, there is security and safety and, and uh, just an amazing uh, unity that we have because of you. Lord, show us these things in a deep, personal way in Christ's name. Amen. All right. God bless you. Thanks, friends, for joining us for another episode of the Inner Revolution podcast. Please find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, and subscribe so that you don't miss an episode.